the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here, and welcome back to my college football summer school on the Cover 3 podcast today. We're going to talk Kentucky, and to do that, I'm going to bring in Aaron Gershon of Cat's Paws. Aaron, welcome to the show. I appreciate having me back. Absolutely. So I'm excited to talk a little Wildcat football here. I've got my stats pulled up, and I'll just start firing away with some questions. So you know, last year, Kentucky slipped a, a good bit. Yeah. They, power ratings-wise, kind of mid-30s for, for me. And it, I mean, that sounds great if you look historically at Kentucky, but right. given the recent standard that Mark Stoops had established, uh, you know, a little bit of a slip there. And and the the split in offense-defense was, uh, I guess we can say thank God for Iowa, right? Because otherwise, <laughs> that might have been the... <laughs> One of the biggest offense-defense yeah. splits in the country. I mean, 97th in offense, 4th in defense, if you, yeah. if you look at Bill Connolly's numbers. what Does it feel like a missed opportunity to have Will Levis and, and have, have him go out like that? It does. I mean, Will Levis, obviously, just second pick of the second round, great talent. And uh, last year, the talent around him just wasn't good enough. And I think the receiver room was better than advertised, just but there were a lot of young guys, two freshmen uh, leading the way in there. And the offensive line was a disaster. And I think everyone kind of overlooked the loss of three NFL guys, especially Luke Fortner, a uh, center now starting for the Jacksonville Jets, the divisional round of the playoffs. So everyone kind of overlooked how bad the offense, including myself, uh, how bad the offensive line was just going to be. And it was even worse than anyone could have imagined, allowing 
47 sacks, which was the second most among Power Five. Only Boston College was worse. So you don't really want to be with Boston College. No offense to them uh, in that category. So, yeah, it was a mess. But um, the defense was outstanding, and they were still able to win seven games, which is not what they want to do at this point in the Mark Stoops era. They've won 10 games twice. They had an eight-win season, you know, with no quarterback, really. Lynn Bowden was playing quarterback. So, you know, they're past that. They're past just getting to bowl games, which they've done in seven straight years. That's not good enough here. So, and they were picked to finish second in the East. They finally got that respect they were kind of calling for and wanting. And, you know, they didn't they didn't deliver. So now it's kind of back to trying to go prove yourselves. And obviously not having Will Levis back hurts, but I think they did pretty well with the replacement they're bringing in for them. I, I know on cover three, we, we sounded the alarm bells. Was it Miami, Ohio they played early last season? First, like, first game of the oh, year. God. Yeah. This, is, this is bad. They, they really can't block yeah. Miami, Ohio. And, and nope. granted, like Chuck Martin has a great defense that they run there with Joe Bowen and those guys. But if you can't block Miami, Ohio, you're going to have no, a difficult a time <laughs> in, in, in the SEC. Uh, so they're, they're fortunate to bring back Liam Cohen, who I, I think you know meshed with the players quite quite a bit. We don't really need to get into why uh, right. the, the, the outgoing OC um, didn't work, but it's clear he, he didn't. What, no. what changes do you think you'll see with Cohen? Uh, I think you're going to see more of a balanced attack. I think last year they at one point just got away from throwing the ball downfield. They got w- away from the things they do really well, which is, you know, run the ball when they need to. But also they were able in 2021 to have explosive plays. There was not much explosive plays going on last year. And I think this year, you know, with Barry on back, Brown back for a second year experience under his belt, uh, Dane Key, who set the freshman receiving record at uh, touchdown record at Kentucky last year. Brown set the receiving yards record. I think you're going to see more, you know, downfield play, especially with Devin Leary. And, you know, Scangarillo, Rich Scangarillo last year definitely got a bit of a raw deal because Will Levis was not healthy at all. I mean, he was not himself. And uh, the guy he was in 21 and 22, it's unfair to almost compare. It was was just a bit of a – it was a mess. And the offensive line was a mess. But this year, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more downplay. I think you're going to see the ball – get spread out a lot more. And I think you're going to have a better offensive line. I don't know how, I think it'll be better than last year, meaning half the sacks, but I don't think it's going to be an elite offensive line by any means. So I think you're going to be able to run the ball uh, more effectively. But last year they were just behind the chains and they didn't have enough time to even protect the quarterback to throw deep. So it's a lot of short passes, a lot of screen wide receiver screen was probably the most run play of the season. So I think you're going to get a lot of that eliminated. So last year in the games, Levis was hurt and missed. And certainly he played some games where he was clearly hurt, but but battled yes. through it. Old Miss comes to mind. Yeah. In the games in which the, the backups had to play, Dustin Wade and, and uh, uh, Kaya Sharon, yeah. I mean, they were just by any measure terrible. A, a 30%, 30% success rate on dropbacks, whereas Levis right. was 45. So I mean, just right. a, a basically unplayable. And so Kentucky goes out and gets Devin Leary from NC State, who himself had a kind of a, a poor year, but he got hurt. And has, has a, a much better track record. What, what have you seen? What, what have you heard about him so far in, in his short time at Kentucky? Accurate. I think that's the big thing, right? I mean, Le- Will Levis, his one flaw was turning the ball over. And you look at Devin Leary when he was healthy in 21, 35 uh, to 5 touchdown to pick ratio. That's insane. And when we got to see him on the practice field this um, this spring, that's the biggest thing you saw is he's just – he makes all the throws accurately. Uh, there's more touch on his ball than with Will where – I mean, Will had an NFL arm from a standpoint. He could throw the ball with crazy velocity. And sometimes in the college game, that could hurt you, right? These college receivers don't always make those catches. And with Devin Leary and even Dane Key and Barry on Brown both talked about this, where the touch on his ball is just different and easier, almost easier to catch uh, than it was with, with Levis for some of these guys. So I've seen a lot of accuracy. 
you've definitely seen him already kind of develop as a leader. I mean, obviously you got to walk in and get, get your, just come in and, and be the guy. But uh, I think he's taken a slow and steady approach with that. And it's kind of worked out and everyone we've talked to uh, player wise has really gravitated towards him and liked him. So I, I think you're de- definitely going to see more uh, the pro style guy from Stan like Levis, but also a guy who's going to have more touch on his ball and, you know, you got to keep him healthy. And that's in large part up to the offensive line. Right. I mean, I think last year was a sack and he had the arm injury. And this year you got to just keep him upright and healthy because as you mentioned, it was not good with Kaya Sharon. It was not good with Destin Wade. And those are the backups again this year. So, you know, and it's not really fair to those guys, especially Destin Wade, who was a true freshman and was red shirting all year and never even played until the bowl game. So, um, but still, you know, <laughs> you don't want to have to go down that road again. That they, they didn't add anyone from the portal to be the backup this year. They added Larry to be the starter and to keep him healthy. And uh, I've liked what I've heard and seen so far. Awesome. Yeah, they, they've never really been a quarterback dependent type offense or, no. or or team. But no, I mean nobody can win. I guess unless you're Kirk Ferentz uh, with, with you know thirty <laughs> yeah. percent success rate passing. Right. Uh, this receiving core. If we get to the end of the year and we say. In the non-Georgia, non-LSU category amongst SEC receiving corps, yep. is it crazy to think this is the third best or maybe fourth best with AM? I think it's I think so. I just it it's it obviously have two really, really talented sophomores. Barry on Brown had 628 yards last year. That's set in a Kentucky receiving yard record for a freshman. Uh, Dane Key, the six touchdown passes, um, set the touchdown record. And then the X factor kind of is Tavion Robinson, who had some good years at Virginia Tech and last year, uh he, he honestly didn't keep his head on straight. I mean, he was the guy that kind of went at Scangarillo on social media and that got him, you know, unofficially suspended for the last game of the year. Um, he was definitely not happy with his role in the offense. And it was just, it, he didn't, he didn't have a good year. He didn't do what they expected from him. But if they can get the Tavion Robinson that Virginia Tech had, or, and even maybe a little, a little bit better, and that's your third guy. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that, especially uh, Dane Key and Barry on Brown are both working to put on weight. I think that was the biggest thing for them as freshmen is just competing with those tough SEC corners. But at the same time, Barry on Brown had 147 yards matched up with Kelly Rango. I mean, this is a guy who could really play. So and has elite speed. We saw the old miss game. How many times could he have had a touchdown and missed it by one tackle? Uh, so uh, I definitely think from the top three standpoint, if all three guys are healthy and playing at their best or at least Tavion Robinson's playing at his best and they get close to or as much production from Key uh, and a little more from Brown, I, I think, yeah, good. And then, you know, Anthony Brown, a freshman that's coming in here who was here for the uh, spring ball, looked really, really good. And they think he's going to play right away. I don't expect him to redshirt. Uh, Shamar Porter's another high four-star guy. I think top 200 recruit, maybe 250. Um, he's going to be here this summer. And last year, Barry and Brown came in the summer and found an immediate role. So if he comes in and impresses, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not an option. And then, you know, tight end wise, if you want to throw them in the mix, I know, you know, not going to count toward the wide receiver room, but they have some reliable options there too, especially with Jordan Dingle and Josh Caddis. So yeah, I think from a skill position standpoint, uh, they're in pretty good shape, especially I, I think running back too. they're three deep. So I really like the skill room. Yeah. Right. Ray Davis, the kid they got from Vandy, I think yeah. is a really good SEC back. Uh, I, to me, it says something about what the receivers saw in spring camp that they didn't hit the portal, right? Like guys with yes. that level of talent, if Leary looked really bad or if the offensive line just remained terrible, they, they probably leave, right? I, I know even though so. Stoops has good culture, but like you got you to take care of yourself and, and go somewhere where you can actually catch the football and you know get downfield. So that offensive line, uh, they brought in three yeah. transfers here, uh, Mar- Marquez Cox, from NIU, Cortland Ford, mm-hmm. who got beat out 
by a transfer that yeah. USC took at like, right. and, and and was I was a little surprised that Kentucky took him. I and mean, I'm not trying to bag on the kid, but his numbers were worse than any Kentucky line yeah, last year. So like maybe yeah. they see something, they can coach him differently or or something. And then Tanner Bowles from Alabama. Are any of those guys going to to figure in as starters? Cox for sure. Cox will okay. be the starting left tackle. There's no doubt about it. And he he he's had a really good career. I know it's NIU, but he's had a great career. Started 33 games. The biggest thing at tackle last year is there was no experience. And then they had to slide Kenneth Horsey, who's been one of the best guards in the SEC. I think he was voted preseason third team last year. And they had to move him at left tackle. He is not a left tackle. He's not a tackle, period. He's a guard. So uh, he was playing out of position, and that was a nightmare. So they have him back for a sixth year at guard. So Marcus Cox is definitely your starting left tackle, unless some, an injury happens or something. Right tackle, I think, I mean, it's going to be Cortland Ford and Jeremy Flax battling it out. And um, like you said, Ford did not have a good year last year, but I think they just like the upside. Either. And Flax didn't either, no. <laughs> And uh, he, you know, he's, you feel bad for the kid because he's had, he was finally starting to come on. He gets hurt at Ole Miss. And then the rest of the season, you just, it was almost unplayable. So um, the right tackle spot is going to be a competition between those two guys. And, you know, DeAndre Buford, who I actually thought stepped in and played pretty well against Georgia at left tackle. Kenneth Horsey went down 20 minutes before kickoff. And Buford had one of the best games of the year of anyone at a tackle spot. And he hit the portal. He's at Cincinnati now. So, um, it's going to be between those guys, Flax and uh, and Ford. So we'll see. That's the biggest question on this offensive line uh, is right tackle. And then Tanner Bowles, I think, is kind of going to be the guy who could fit in anywhere off the bench. I think, you know, Eli Cox, Kenneth Horsey is a pretty good guard combination. I think the Jagger Burton uh, is probably going to be he's moving over from guard to center. I think he's going to start unless something really goes wrong uh, during fall camp. So um, I would think the only one who's a first year starter is Cox, uh, Marcus Cox. But Portland Ford probably is the second best odds of those three. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Awesome. So let's go ahead and switch over now to the defense, which, which really played admirably last year. Uh, defensive line returns everybody but Justin Rogers, who I thought was awesome last year at times. He and, and he goes to Auburn. Uh, that, that's kind of a you know, transfer portal uh, thing there. But they do pick up yeah. Keyshawn Silver from North Carolina. I, I'm curious, like, was he in for spring? How, how, how did he yes. look? Oh my God, he's huge! <laughs> he, he's huge. Him and Dion Walker next to each other was—it uh, was pretty fun to watch. I mean, those two guys—that's uh, not a fun front four to deal with, or at least the front two there. So uh, he looked really good. Mark Stoops was very. And what's interesting with Mark Stoops and how you know he likes Keyshawn Silver is he kind of talked about maybe overrating his team last year and kind of giving in too much hype. And this year he was like, "I'm going to be careful about praising guys." He couldn't stop talking about Keyshawn Silver. So I got to think that's a that's a pretty good sign. Uh, and then obviously, I think Deion Walker, man, he he's a guy who after this year, it's probably uh, he's got to be a top defensive tackle in the SEC if he's not already the top guy uh, now with Jalen Carter gone. I mean, the year he had last year, uh, it's just a start for him. He's he's a monster and the numbers are just going to get better and better. And he's actually even slimmed down a little bit and looks a little faster. Not much. He's still 340. 
uh, but he did look a little faster from what we saw during uh, spring camp. So him and Silver next to each other. And then, like you said, the whole defensive line room, which they didn't get enough sacks last year. And that's something they're kind of harping on getting better at. But there's a lot of continuity there. And the way Brad White does things, you know, he usually has success. So I'm a little, I don't know, not concerned, but that they lose names in that sort of edge and outside linebacker position that were, well, Square and Jones were hurt at times last year, and I thought that was yeah. hurt Kentucky's defense. And they finished top five in, in the opponent adjusted stuff, which is tremendous. Right? They lose. They do lose Jordan Wright, who who I think yeah. was the leading the leading front step guy in terms of snaps taken. But like you get Jackson, you get JJ Weaver, and you get Trevin Wallace, who Wallace is beast. Yeah, yeah. Like like it's his third year. He's an NFL guy. I, I'm. Do you expect a drop off from this from, from the backers, given who they lost, or do you think they can hold serve? Not inside. I, I feel really good about inside because, like you said, they were they were hurt, and I thought Trevin Wallace was the best inside backer on last year's team. Like nothing against Square. I love Square as a just a building a relationship with him. Uh, so if he hears this, it's nothing against them. But Trevin Wallace uh, it, it was the best player in that room last year. He's so fast. He comes downhill. I'm mean, that Missouri game. I think the first drive of the game, he had a sack and two tackles for loss, three and out. I mean, and Missouri. I mean, not a great offensive line, but not terrible. Nothing to scoff at. So. Uh, he's just a guy who's been uh, steady, getting better and better. You know, we saw flashes as a true freshman, the kick return against Florida, obviously, uh, on the block kick. So, uh, and then uh, at linebacker last year, he was just incredible. So I feel pretty good about the inside backers. But outside, yeah, Jordan Wright has been a mainstay in this program for four or five years, uh, which is, you know, just college football in 2023. So um, J.J. Weaver, if they need him healthy, fully healthy. The last two years, he has not been. You know, he came back off a tour in ACL for the 21 season, just seven or eight months after the fact. And he still led the team with six sacks, but he, you could tell he wasn't himself. And then last year, you know, he got hurt against Youngstown State, hurt his elbow and was not the same the rest of the year. So they need him 100 percent and getting after the quarterback. And then it's going to be up to guys like Keaton Wade, uh, Tyrese Fairberry, some of the young guys uh, to get to the quarterback. So the edge room, yeah, I'm a little concerned about um, for sure. But inside backers, I feel good about. So. I guess the secondary is my main concern for this defense. You you, you lose Kedron Smith, you lose yeah. Valentine, like both your corners, and they they actually stayed healthy and rated pretty well. Really good. Seven hundred snaps for each. That's that's hard to find, and, and yeah. you lose. Uh, I can't say the kid's name. Tyrell right. Asian. Yeah, that's a that's a decent bit to to address. And I love Stoops' defensive coaching in the secondary. Like I, yeah, he rarely has a bad secondary, but that is quite a bit to lose. They, they take Jake Hardaway from from Cincinnati. It, are you, like, I don't know, I shouldn't ask like what level of, of drop back are you yeah. expecting here, but like, are you expecting a drop back? And if so, how big? Every year I say so. Like, I remember 2018, they lost Lonnie Johnson, Derek Beatty, uh, Darius West, and Mike Edwards in the same year. And you were like, oh my God, the secondary next year is going to be a mess. They were the only team in college football that year not to allow 10 touchdowns other than Ohio State through the air. They had the second best secondary in the country in yards per game, only behind Ohio State. So I'm never going to doubt Mark Stoops when and uh, when it comes to the secondary after that. Um, like you've mentioned, J.Q. Hardaway, I think, is going to be an impact guy. Uh, they do return three safeties. You know, J- Jordan Lovett played almost all season last year after Jalen Geiger went down against Florida, uh, and he played really, really well uh, at the end of the year, had a couple picks uh, toward the end of the season and just was steady and knew where to be, assignment sound and all that. Um, Geiger will be back this fall toward ACLs, so we'll see how he comes back. And then, Zion Childers at safety. He really came on at the end of the year. Um, he had a sack against Louisville. He had a couple tackles for loss at the end of the year. He's more of a, I think he's probably better in the box, but he's a guy that they 
kind of talk about being a leader and can kind of do a little bit of everything. Really high IQ guy, high school quarterback uh, down in the Houston area. So um, he'll play a lot of safety. But yeah, cornerback is the one. We got to see it, right? Andrew Phillips, who kind of played a lot in the nickel. I think he's going to have to stay in the nickel because he was good there. Uh, and just other guys, you know, they didn't seem very happy with how they were performing in the nickel uh, during fall uh, spring camp. So I expect him to probably be the nickel. I expect JQ Hardaway probably to get one of the outside spots. And then that second outside spot is up for grabs. You know, a guy like Maxwell Harrison, who has like the length they like, but no experience. And we know his one play last year, Carrington Valentine, came out of the game and it was that play against Vanderbilt on fourth and 11 uh, that Will Shepard burned him on that 40 yard, uh, 40 yard go ball, just a jump ball that he beat him to the spot uh, and then set up the winning touchdown for the Commodore. So um, that's a guy who's going to be in the mix. If he, he had a pretty good spring from what I've heard, but they're still looking for some uh, consistency from him. And then um, guys like Jansen Dunn, a guy they got up from Ohio state um, transfer there too. So we'll see the cornerback room is going to be really interesting, but Again, I can't doubt them too much because every time they've had a lot a lot of people leave, they've stepped right up to the plate. I don't think they're going to have the second-best passing defense in America like they did in 2019, but uh, I can't predict a humongous drop-off just based off the uh, past couple of years here. They, they will likely have some time to gel if you look at the schedule. Yes. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, yeah. Florida. Like, you will get until October 7th before you have to go play Georgia, which yeah. – I mean, oh, yeah. Eastern last, like, Kentucky's quarterback is probably the best quarterback they're going to play the first four weeks unless A.J. Swan makes a huge jump. Yeah, exactly right. And then, you know, Missouri, not a great passing game. No. Tennessee it w- probably will be. Mississippi State's got an experienced guy. Bama. Uh, it's Bama. At, Who knows? at South Carolina and at Louisville. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the back half of this, they better get that secondary right. But they right. I mean, they should rack up some wins early on I think so. in, in the season. Uh, I, I assume it's offensive line. But if it's not, uh, give me an answer on this. Where's the biggest drop off between the starters and the backups? Like the spot they just have to stay healthy with the starters, <laughs> not going <Yeah>. back. <laughs> it's definitely it's got the offensive line's the easy answer, so I'll, I'll go with that. Definitely being one, but it's probably what we just talked about too at corner. I mean, I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I think JQ Hardaway probably Andrew Phillips. They got to keep him healthy because if they don't have him in the nickel or even to pop outside, uh, he was a guy that was really coming on last year too and had a really really good spring from what we saw and heard so uh they can't lose andrew phillips they probably can't lose hardaway and then you know i don't really know who's going to step up if it's harrison if it's jordan robinson a d2 transfer from last year who kind of got the rent shirt um so i would say corner just because offensive line at least you did add tanner bowles uh and one of those right tackles flax or ford whoever doesn't win the job not saying they're great but they'll have experience um ben chrisman another offensive line transfer they added from ohio state uh to build some depth there so I'll say I'll say corner just because there is a little more depth on the offensive line than last year, but it's a toss up between the two. So uh, what would you say is, well, did they pursue more guys in the transfer portal at defensive back? They added just they did over the like the winter portal. They added Jansen Dunn. They added JQ Hardaway. And then they only added one. Uh, in this cycle, and that was Carl Larkins, who actually, just like Jordan Robinson last year, is a D2 guy from Livingston, both of them. And he is interesting where he's 6'4", he's got the size that Mark Stoops loves. He had eight picks in nine games last year, the most of anyone in D2. But the question is, is he really going to play right away, or is he going to take a redshirt year, kind of like his teammate from Livingstone, Jordan Robinson, did this year? Um, so that was the only one they added after spring ball. I know they really wanted Antonio Carter out of Rhode Island, but, you know, it became Notre Dame, LSU, 
I think Florida and they just kind of bowed out and said, you know, we'll, we'll stick with what we got. So they got to feel pretty good. Cause you know, Kentucky, the last couple of years, when they see a spot, the spots upgrade in the portal and Mark Stoops said this, uh, he, he's coming to take your job with guys in the portal. Like he doesn't care that feelings are hurt. People leave for the portal. He's trying to upgrade his roster. Uh, so they added, you know, they've added a lot of guys through the portal after spring. They've just fit, hit their scholarship uh, number with the addition of the running back from NC state, uh, sumo, Karen Jobby yesterday. So um, they must feel pretty good about the, the secondary depth. And that's why I'm like, I can't doubt them because they've gotten it right before. So, I mean, I, I think there's probably a signal to that, right? It, it, I, mm-hmm. I look at teams, I, I look at who they're offering in the portal, who they're going after. And, and if you're offering everybody under the sun at, at the portal at one position, you may not feel very good about your, your ball club there, but right. the, the fact they're only going after guys that went to like Notre Dame and, and that type of stuff, that that's generally a, good signal they like what they have probably so i think so yeah i i, I do think so and uh obviously the offense line they didn't love what they had because they added four guys and they let david wallabog yeah. they let down jay buford go uh without really fighting them so uh i, I think I, like i said i think he's kind of and quarterback clearly they made a huge upgrade so they need they uh they didn't leave anything uh up for grabs that they felt bad about they didn't they didn't, weren't going in like last year where they felt pretty questionable in some areas Awesome. All right. Really appreciate it, Aaron. And uh, we'll have everybody check out Cat's Paws. A tremendous job. Let's uh, go visit them. Hey, guys. Bud Elliott back again with my College Football Summer School Series here on Cover 3 today. We're going to talk Oregon State to do that. I'm going to go to the source. That's Beaver Blitz. I've got my man Jake Hedberg on. He's a big fan of Cover 3, too. He gets to cover Oregon State daily. Jake, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Bud. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So 2012, uh, the last te- time that, that Oregon State had a team as good as they had in 2022, a, you know, legit top 20 type quality team, 10 win season. Uh, they smashed Florida in, in, in the bowl game. It had been pretty fun to cover that thing. And now I'm really excited to talk about uh, what they have coming back you know, this year. It, last year, it was interesting. Like, the, the offense got a lot of pub, but the, the defense was a little better. I'll, I'll start with the offense. Uh, extremely good running football team uh, last year. I guess I'm going to go to quarterback, though, because uh, like on a down-to-down basis, the QB numbers, other than the interceptions, were not at, not terrible as far as like some of the efficiency stuff, but they also just rarely threw the ball, which probably, to me, says something about what the staff thought about the quarterback position. Then they go in and they get DJU from Clemson, and they have Aiden Childs coming in, just hit me with it like does DJU the presumed starter does Charles have a shot and any of the guys who, who stayed on the roster have a real shot and and what are your thoughts on this room um I would say definitely DJ is the presumed starter I mean uh Ben Goldbranson's back he did a serviceable job he wasn't anything special but uh I mean anytime the quarterback goes seven and one and uh it's gonna be tough for them to lose their job but I feel like the coaching staff doesn't bring in a guy to the caliber of DJ have sit on the bench uh to start spring off go branson ran primarily with the ones dj two childs three halfway through started to see a switch it was more dj ones go branson two and i think that'll carry into the fall but honestly childs the freshman kid was the most impressive quarterback out of the three of them uh he throws the prettiest ball i've seen from an oregon state player it's uh really quite crazy um i don't think he will start just to the fact that he's young. He's still 17, 
won't turn 18 till October even. Uh, so I think come September, DJ will get the start. Bill Branson will be two. Childs will redshirt playing four games and presumably 2024 be the guy. So last year, the offensive line was, was pretty darn good, and they only lose one guy. They do pick up uh, Nevada transfer uh, Grant Stark. It, is he expected to start for them? Uh, right now, they've got three guys competing for two spots at, at guards. Uh, Marco Brewer, who started the first five games, then he went down against Colorado, and then Henley Bloomfield came in and replaced him, and he was phenomenal. I think he, uh, PFF has him top 10 returning guards in the country. Uh, so those two and Stark are probably competing for the two guard spots. If I have to guess today, I'd probably go Bloomfield and Stark just because Brewer didn't see any action in the spring. But if he's healthy in the fall, that could be a, a, a very different story. And I'm really excited about the depth of this offensive line group. Receiver, I, I guess, is a, is a real question uh, for me. When I look at this roster, you, you lose Treshawn Harrison, who they got an awful lot out of 83 targets last year. You know, Tyjon Lindsey was kind of an occasionally explosive guy there, played some slot. And they lose Luke Musgrave, but I feel like I mean, he only ran 48 total routes last year. So it, it's more of a loss in name only. What what are your thoughts on the receiver room this year and, and what they've done in the portal? And uh, they only take one receiver in the portal, right? So zero. Do they have a lot of internal zero. Oh, they sorry, uh, Jermaine in the portal. Oh, Jermaine Terry's Jermaine a tight Terry end. Is a tight end, yeah, tight end. So, do you read into that? Like, is that a is that a signal that they feel good about what they have behind the guys they lost? That they didn't go to the portal uh, for receivers. I think they feel confident. I know uh, post spring ball they were going after. Uh, a few guys, Taj Davis, he committed to Cal, Jordan Tyson, Montana uh, Craig. But uh, they ended up pulling out, not really pursuing them too heavily. So that kind of m leads me to believe they're more confident in the guys they've got. Uh, Silas Bolden's a guy I think is really going to have a huge, huge year. He was uh, kind of behind Treshawn and Tajon. And then in the bowl game, he kind of like got the reps got to go and uh, get a 99-yard game, six catches. So I'm thinking with some more uh, with more consistent playing time, I think I think Silas could definitely break out. Um, Anthony Gould's back. He was a first-team All-American punt returner, super fast kid. Uh, the one knock on Gould and Bolden is that they're both 5'8", 5'9". So I wouldn't be shocked to see them go after a bigger guy in the portal. Uh, I'm surprised they pulled out of that, to be honest. So – that's definitely the one issue with the offense that I'm seeing right now. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, to go back to quarterback for a second, I, I should have asked you this in sequence, and I, I certainly apologize. How did DJU look to you as a guy? I mean, we, we saw the spring game or, or these bits of it. How did he look to you on, on a day-to-day -day basis in practice? Started off a little uh, – he definitely started off struggling. I remember his first day he was pretty much overthrowing guys left and right. Second practice, he was underthrowing guys. So I think it's about with DJ. I feel like it's about knowing his personnel. And I feel like the summer will definitely have a, uh, a nice impact on that. You know, starting to gel with uh, the receivers, the backs, and all that. Um, there was definitely an improvement throughout camp. Um, you know, obviously, if you're picking up another new system, he's done that that a lot, and this is another one. Uh, so. I definitely think everyone thought it was going to take some time and to see the improvement he made through the first few weeks is a good sign. Absolutely. So 
Going to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, this was the best defense Oregon State has had since, and this is probably not great podcasting by me, but uh, this is the best defense I've ever seen them them have last year. Mm. Uh, I, I guess the, the 2012 defense was pretty similarly rated, but I mean, that's sort of a, a generational defense, if you will, uh, you know, for a team out of, out of Corvallis. What, they lose a decent bit here, I guess, but on the defensive line, they only lose one guy, and that's, that's Sandberg, who was solid numbers but maybe maybe not amazing is is this defensive line really good throughout camp the defensive line was holding its own against a very good offensive line uh the spring game the, the, to be honest the defensive line won the day um james rawls is, is a guy that's back he had i think a 10 and a half tackles for loss last year or something like that uh the coaching staff's really excited about that one uh Sione, Lolo Hea came on strong. Overall, I think this defensive line, uh, I think this is the first defensive line Oregon State's had in a while that's really set with two deep, three deep guys that can play. In years past, you know, the end of Riley's, Gary Anderson, star Jonathan Smith, it was more of undersized defensive line. They had one or maybe two guys that could actually compete at a power five level. But now I think you're starting to see guys that can rotate in that'll, you know, Brush the passer, stop the run, all that kind of stuff. I got to ask you about this name, and, and I'm sure our listeners at home will get a big kick out of this because I'm going to totally botch this kid's name. But uh, Oluwusei uh, Omotosho, maybe from Wyoming? Watoshu. Watoshu. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, is he their pass rushing threat they need? Because if I look at this D line last year, they really did not get good sack production from their edge rushers at all. Uh, like I think the leader, uh, leader returning to the team had had two. Uh, so they got decent pressure, but they didn't close the deal. It, it was he in for spring, and if so, how, how did he look? Yeah, uh, he was mostly running with the second team to start. You know, kind of adjusting new system, all that stuff. But uh, the spring game, he really came on strong. I think he had. I think I had him down for one and a half, two sacks. Um, I think he's definitely going to be the best pass rusher. I'm not sure. He'll, if he'll start necessarily just because Oregon State's got experienced guys at the outside backer spot, but I think he'll definitely contribute in the pass rushing sense for sure. Um, he, him and Takari Hickle, who's a redshirt freshman defensive lineman, those two were probably the best pass rushers this uh, this past spring. Awesome. Uh, Jake, as far as linebacker play, last year, I mean, this was one of the more underrated linebacker duos in the country with, with, with Omar Spates and also uh, – uh, Fisher Morris, excuse me. Now we we already shot the LSU one. They were blown away by how good Omar Spates in, ended up being by the end of spring. And Fisher Morris, I don't know if he made an NFL camp, but certainly was a pretty productive college linebacker. I, I assume there's drop off here at this position. I, my question is like, how big is the drop off? Yeah, um, I definitely think there's going to be significant drop off. One of the inside backers is back, um, Easton Mascarenas. He most people think he could have started last year. There wasn't too much fall off between Kyrie and him. He was a guy that was a four-star kid and not a lot of four-star linebackers end up coming to Oregon State. So everyone's been really high on him. Uh, get a pick six against Washington last year. That was huge. I really think he'll break out and have a great year. But at that second spot, it's where it gets a little questionable. They got uh, John Miller, who's a local kid. He's been in the system. Hasn't really played a, a whole lot on defense, but a special team stud. Makaya Tung, who is a receiver at Georgia, transferred over here two years ago. 
didn't do a whole lot on offense. So now the coach is giving him a shot at uh, what's probably a more natural linebacker, and he's really impressed in spring. And then they picked up uh, Calvin Hart last week from Illinois in the transfer portal. Uh, he's question mark. Haven't seen him play, but uh, he could potentially step in and take that second spot. In the secondary, that they do lose. I mean, three guys who played almost every down for them in Austin Grant and and, and Rajon Wright. Mm-hmm. What, what what's your estimation of, of that room? And uh, also, are they getting anything out of uh, Alden Julian, who I know played a lot for them in twenty twenty one and didn't play? You know, last year it looks like I don't know if he got hurt or suspended mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Uh, what, what what's your assessment of that room? Williams still recovering at the moment. He uh, had to get a second surgery on his knee. He was supposed to come back around October, but then that happened, so they held him out. Um, he's supposed to be full goal for the fall. We didn't see him practice at all in the spring. Um, the safety room should be good. Katano Adapo's back. Uh, he was supposed to leave, graduate, go to the NFL, but he decided to come back with that COVID year. Uh, he's probably the leader of this defense. He's a great, great great defender um Skylar Thomas was another guy they had pegged at that safety spot but he tore his ACL in camp so that was a huge loss uh the corners Jaden Robinson uh been in the program hasn't really played a lot Tyrese Ivey's juke coach transferred so there's definitely depth concern is an issue I mean having guys that haven't really played makes the coaching staff a little weary about the secondary. So it'll be interesting to see how they come together uh, throughout the fall camp and the start of the season. You mentioned Scott or Thomas Terrence ACL. Was that in spring camp? You mean? Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. are they still looking in the portal potentially over the summer for, for another DB? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Um, I know they really like a few of the red shirt freshman guys they've got. So, she might be seeing them in action a little earlier rather than going after a transfer portal guy. Sure. That makes some sense. Uh, so I don't talk a lot of special teams on this show uh, during summer school series, unless the team was just awesome or really bad at it. And I think you know where I'm going here. Your <laughs> yeah. goal was a bottom five unit in the entire country. Uh, they were, uh, six of 13 on field goals, more than 30 yards, which is, not not great. It, no. Did they bring in a transfer there? Is there, is there renewed confidence that maybe they'll make some more kicks? Um, what what's the situation there? Um, they've got the same two guys last year, Everett Hayes and uh, Atticus Sappington. Uh, Hayes was, was their primary kid. He was a little banged up last year. That's kind of the reason. It's not the whole reason, but he wasn't healthy the whole season. They held him out. I think he went like. Six for six for thirteen, something last year. He didn't have a great season. Uh, he has a little problem with accuracy. He's great from long distance. He had a sixty yarder against Colorado two years ago. And Sappington's kind of switched. He's pretty good from inside twenty five thirty, but outside of that, can't really get a whole lot. I was kind of hoping they'd go after an experienced option in the portal, but the coaching staff seems pretty set on those two at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, question for you here. It's just hypothetical, obviously. Does this year's team beat last year's team? If they lined up and played? That's a good question. I think it depends on how well DJ adjusts to the system. I mean, last year the offense was it was good, but it wasn't great. With DJ, I think this offense can be great. Um, 
The defense, obviously, not going to be as – I don't think it'll be as good as last year, but I really don't think the fall-off will be too much. Trent Bray is a great defensive coordinator, and I think he'll get the most out of every single guy on the field. Uh, so I would go yes. I think this team does win. Grant, I mean, last year's team did go 10-3, and three, but if you look at it, they beat Stanford on a last-second play. They beat Fresno State on a last-second play. Last second play. So they very well could have been eight and five. Uh, I think this year's team reaches at least nine wins comfortably. Okay, nice man. I, I really appreciate the time, Jake Hepburn from Bigger Beaver Blitz. It's been a, an awesome time here, man. And we'll have to have you back on the show. Check me out.